This morning's gospel lesson and the words that will serve as our sermon text today, Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. They left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed, sick with a fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. He went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up. The fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, when the sun had set, the people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. He healed many people who were sick with various diseases and drove out many demons. But he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. Jesus got up early in the morning while it was still dark and went out. He withdrew to a solitary place and was praying there. Simon and his companions searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let's go somewhere else, to the neighboring villages, so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. Then he went throughout the whole region of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of and to the unending glory of our Savior Jesus, dear fellow redeemed. The glory of this epiphany season that we're in right now is that it sets forth Jesus as a Savior, not for some, not for most, but as a Savior sent for all. There's a beautiful old epiphany hymn that puts it like this, Jesus shall reign wherever the sun its successive journeys run. In other words, wherever the sun's light touches a particular land around the world, there Jesus reigns as Lord and Savior. Jesus is this wonderful Savior revealed for all the world. And while that's a beautiful truth, and while that's a wonderfully inclusive truth, I do wonder sometimes, does it cause you ever to forget the comforting truth that Jesus is a Savior sent not just for the world, but for you. That he didn't just come to take away the sin of the world, he came for you. He knows you. You matter to Jesus. Because see, Jesus is a personal Savior every bit as much as he is a universal Savior. And we find that truth especially pronounced, I think, in these words before us this morning from Mark chapter 1. It's almost as though the Holy Spirit, speaking through the gospel writer Mark, wants to impress on my heart and on your heart this intense personal love that Jesus has for every sinful soul. Today, as we focus on the words and works of Jesus, let's be moved and comforted by his personal touch, his care, not just for the world, friend, but his care for you. 
Jesus is the one who heals and helps his people. Our text this morning is actually picking up where we left off last Sunday morning. You might remember that we we heard last Sunday how Jesus had made his way to this synagogue on the Sabbath day in the city of Capernaum. That's where he had set up some temporary headquarters up in Capernaum of Galilee. And Jesus uh, delivered the message that Sabbath Saturday in the synagogue at Capernaum, and the people were amazed at his teaching, you remember. And then they were doubly amazed by his power as he drove an evil spirit out of a possessed individual. Okay, here's the, then what happened. They left the synagogue and went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew, Simon's mother-in-law was lying in bed, sick with a fever. Without delay, they told Jesus about her. So after church was over that Sabbath Saturday, Jesus and his disciples make their way to the home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She's in bed. She's sick with a fever. Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit has Mark tell us that the disciples told Jesus about her sickness without delay? I wonder about that. I wonder if that's because they knew that Jesus would want to know. They certainly knew that Jesus had the almighty power to heal her if it was according to his will. But the fact that they told him without delay, I wonder if that's because they knew that Jesus would not look at them and say, come on, guys, I've got lots of people to minister to. I don't have time for this. Instead, it's as though they thought to themselves, Jesus loves people. He'll want to know. He'll want to help. And they were right. And they were not disappointed. We're told Jesus went to her, took her by the hand, and raised her up, the fever left her, and she began to serve them. See what I mean about the personal care that Jesus gives to people? Jesus doesn't simply say the word and and tell them, look, when you meet with her again, she's going to be just fine, I've healed her. He did that on at least three other occasions. Instead, Jesus seems to want to have a personal interaction. He went to her. He reached out his hand. He took her hand. He wasn't concerning himself with the possibility that he might catch whatever it was that she had. He was concerned about connecting with this person who had this individual need. The disciples went to him without delay. There's a good lesson there for me. How about you? Are you bringing your needs, your cares, your wants, your struggles to Jesus without delay? Are you daily doing what the Lord encouraged you to do in our second reading this morning from 1 Peter chapter 5? Are you casting all of your anxiety on the Lord because you're confident that he cares for you? Or or sometimes are you arrogantly thinking to yourself in life, you know what, I can handle this without the Lord's help. Or perhaps worse yet, I wonder, do you ever hear of these miracles of Jesus and the way that he ministered to people and healed people and then have this little voice inside of you wondering, what am I, Lord? Chopped liver? 
Look, Lord, you, you know that I've been dealing with this chronic pain. Look, Lord, you, you know that I've been crushed by this anxiety and depression. Lord, you know that my loved one has that incurable condition. Why in all the world don't you care about me like this? Why don't you reach out your hand and fix what's wrong in my life, Lord? And did you wonder why the Lord has marked right down that one detail at the end that Peter's mother-in-law immediately began to serve them? Seems to me maybe there are two things going on there. Maybe it's that the Lord wants us to understand that it wasn't just that she was feeling a little bit better and, and was son, suddenly feeling up to helping out a little bit. She was completely healed. But maybe then there's also this reminder that this is the right response of faith. Look, when we have been the recipients of the Lord's loving healing, and we all have been, then our faith wants to and will respond. We will look for ways to serve with our lives, to serve the Lord, to love him back, to grow in our knowledge of his word and the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to trust his promises, and to look to serve other people as we have been served. Okay, it had been a day for Jesus, right? He preached at the synagogue, demonstrated his almighty power, drove a demon out of a possessed person. He went to the home of Simon Peter's mother-in-law, took her by the hand, rebuked her fever, and made her well. And now it's the end of the Sabbath day. And Jesus is thinking to himself, well, finally, I've got a few hours to rest and relax. Well, guess again. That evening, when the sun had set, people kept bringing to him all who were sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And here's the thing, and this amazes me, as the sinless son of God, who never had an improper or selfish thought, it never even so much as crossed the sacred mind of Jesus to think to himself, really, people? Would it be too much to ask for you to give me one evening to rest and recover? No, instead we find that that Saturday, once the Sabbath was over, the whole town of Capernaum gathered at the door. I've read experts who guesstimate that the population of Capernaum back in the days of Jesus would have been somewhere around 1,500 people. Our text says that all of them gathered at the door. Some of them were sick. Others of them were possessed by an evil spirit. But everyone wanted something from Jesus. And I'm amazed by this detail that's brought to us in Luke's gospel account of this same interaction. Here's what it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 40, that Jesus laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Isn't that something? Realize that Jesus could have simply stood on the front porch and he could have spoken a word of healing over the entire crowd and that would have been that and that would have worked and they would all have been healed and it probably would have taken less than five minutes but he didn't. He ministered to them one-on-one, on one, laid his hands on every one of them and healed them, e even the demon-possessed. 
and those evil spirits were driven out. Our text says, but he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew who he was. You get that Jesus wanted those who heard him preach and teach and those whom he had healed to be drawn to faith from his own words, from his own message, from his own works, from his own loving kindness, not from the satanic babblings of destruction-minded demons. Early the next morning, before the sun was even up, Jesus went off by himself to pray. The disciples found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. The implication is, look, Jesus, come on, you gotta come back into town, you've got more work here to do. Instead, Jesus said this, let's go somewhere else to the neighboring villages so that I can preach there too. In fact, that is why I have come. I need that reminder this morning, do you? Because see, there are times when we can start to think of Jesus only in terms of what he can do for our physical needs and the problems that we face on a daily basis. Some physical problems, some emotional problems, some financial problems, some relationship issues, some struggle that we're struggling with. And like the crowds in Capernaum, we have this expectation of Jesus that he will work his mighty power and use his his wonderful omniscience and will make everything right. And we go to Jesus, and and that's good, and that's right, and that's that's as it should be. But then, for whatever reason, Jesus decides to go somewhere else, in a sense, though he never leaves us or forsakes us. I don't mean that. But what I mean is that he doesn't do as we expect. And he allows the burden to continue to be a burden. And we don't get the financial relief we were praying for. And the sickness doesn't go away. And the problem persists. And we keep struggling. And friends, for those times when we sinfully wonder to ourselves if we are just chopped liver to our Lord, when we wonder why he doesn't help us in our times of need, let's get on our knees and repent. Because he does. He does hear. He does help. He does respond. Rest assured, the Lord Jesus Christ has not gone out of the healing business And it's not that he was showing favoritism to those who lived back in the first century. It's not that Jesus doesn't care as much about people today as he did back then. Not at all. All right, here's the deal. All of those people who were healed by Jesus' miraculous power back in the first century, to the best of my knowledge, eventually they all died. Jesus healed them, yes, gave them some more years to live to his glory, but eventually they died. The healing was temporary. And so it would be for all of us. So then what was the point of Jesus doing those healings? If it was just a a temporary stopgap measure, and if it was only for a few years during his public ministry, and if it was only for a select group of folks back in ancient Galilee, then what was the point Well, one of the points was to demonstrate 
what would be the ultimate outcome of Jesus coming into this world. Those healings were a sneak preview, if you will. In other words, what Jesus came to do, the purpose of his mission, will result in complete healing and wholeness forever. Eternal healing is absolutely what we're headed for. And on the basis of Christ's coming, when he's going, where he's going with all of this, as he walks about Galilee, dispensing blessings right and left, there's a place he's moving toward. He says, let's go somewhere else. And when he gets there, to the cross, and eventually outside the grave on Easter morning, then because of what he came to do, it will result in complete and total forever healing for you and for me, for everyone who trusts in him. See, all those problems and afflictions that we struggle with and suffer under in this life, they all have one cause, and they all have one cure. Their cause is sin. I don't mean some specific sin that you committed. I mean we live in a sin-ruined, broken world. God never intended pain or disease or challenges or problems to be part of our world. But all of these maladies in life come because we live in a broken world. We all share in that fallen, sinful condition. None of us are immune and none of us are perfect And friends, our sins threaten to put us on a collision course with hell. And that's why Jesus came, to heal us from our sin, to take it away, to make us right with God. Nothing that you have done wrong in life is too big or too small for Christ to have included it in his death on the cross. Your sins have all been covered. Your guilt is gone for good. You are completely forgiven for Jesus' sake. He healed many people who were sick. Not just them, but you. Healed by his wounds. Not just the world, but you. This precious Savior came to you and put his hands on you and showed you his individual love and care and compassion when he made you his own with those waters of baptism trickled over your head. Christ cared about and helped and healed those people of Capernaum and friend Jesus Christ cares about you and he has forever healed and helped you. Give him your trust and give him your highest praise and devotion in life. This this precious Savior, the one who heals and helps his people, the one who heals and helps you. Amen.